This podcast is produced by Whisper and Mutter. Hey, it's Imani here. Before we continue, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you so that I can improve the podcast and also secure some sponsors as well. Can you please visit yizzyresearch.com to take a quick anonymous listener survey? Thanks. Now on to the show. As a primary qualitative researcher and lover of well-composed stories, I am interested in diary studies. Diary studies are the perfect balance between research and storytelling. Diary studies are arguably one of the most human research methods. A while ago, I had the chance to conduct my first diary study, and I was so excited. Imagine how vexed and frustrated I was when I jacked the whole thing up. I botched my first diary study, but I want to try it again. In this episode, I'll explore how researchers fail and how researchers can recover. You're listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, the podcast for people who research people. You are listening to the voice of your host, Imani, UX researcher at and founder of the UX research company, Yizzy Research. I help organizations understand their users, and I coach aspiring and practicing UX researchers in their career journeys. Nosa Norman Group defines a diary study as, quote, a research method used to collect qualitative data about user behaviors, activities, and experiences over time. In a diary study, data is self-reported by participants longitudinally, that is, over an extended period of time that can range from a few days to even a month or longer. During the defined reporting period, study participants are asked to keep a diary and log specific information about activities being studied. To help participants remember to fill in their diary, sometimes they are periodically prompted, for example, through a notification received daily or at select times during the day. My first mistake was that I didn't do enough research on what a diary study was, which is embarrassingly ironic. I assumed that I knew enough about it. Well, I didn't. (laughs) My lack of foundational knowledge set me up for failure. To make this matter more complicated, I was doing this diary study as a UX research consultant for an incredibly unstable startup that turned out to not even be a legitimate company. That's another story for another day. (laughs) In addition to doing research about the diary study methodology, I should have done due diligence on this company. As I've matured in my business ownership, I now conduct due diligence on my prospective clients to understand if they are legitimate, what their goals are, and if I am able to reasonably help them. Due diligence also saves a lot of time. Even if you're not an independent researcher like me, doing due diligence on a company you want to work for will save you from potential disaster. At that time, my rationale for not doing due diligence was that this was a pro bono opportunity that I was using to test the independent researcher waters. The stakes were low, and to an extent, they were. Because I was not compensated for this research, I didn't have to spend too much time on it, nor did I have the pressure of having to perform at a certain level that I would have to for paid work. Whenever people ask me how they can get UX research experience to build their portfolios, I always recommend volunteering. No, it isn't paid, but you get real-world experience, which hiring managers and recruiters tend to prioritize. Since you're volunteering, the organization you're you're volunteering for may not expect you to know everything nor be available for 40 hours a week. If you are trying out a new skill or a method like diary studies, for example, consider volunteering. Volunteering allows for more experimentation because there's usually nothing for their organization to lose if you want to try something new. Once you feel comfortable with whatever you're trying to learn, you'll be able to do it and be compensated for it in the future. 
One of the downsides of volunteering is that scoping is hard. Wait, to be fair, scoping is usually hard even if you're not volunteering. Remember, I was working with this pro bono client to get my feet wet as an independent researcher. So I had no experience with scoping a research project beyond the 9 to 5 corporate environment. The client expectation changed virtually daily and it made it difficult to work. I should have done a few things. Number one, get something in writing to clarify what the client needed. Diary study notes, session recordings, synthesis presentations, etc. And when they needed it, so deliverable dates. It could be formalized as a contract or just a one-pager that you both sign confirming the details or even an email. Number two, clarify how long I'd be consulting with them. This was never made clear and that created a lot of issues. Number three, follow up with an email after every meeting. Even if it was a short email confirming what we discussed, this ensures a record. The client wanted me to run this diary study as a proxy for in-person field research. Once it was time to do the diary study, respondents submitted their responses using a Google form. I would take these responses and copy them into a Google Doc and analyze the entries to identify themes. It was a show. All of it. It was never clear who the respondents were supposed to be or how many of them there were supposed to be. The client told me that they could secure X respondents, but that was never confirmed, and the sample size and recruiting method changed several times. At some point, we experimented with participants submitting audio-only entries, but it was a disaster because the audio quality varied and there was no budget for a transcription software. While the diary study was still live, we switched to text-only responses, which was a better switch, but bad timing since the study was already live. So people had already submitted enough audio answers that made synthesis and analysis frustrating and inconsistent. I can't believe that I did not craft a sound research plan ahead of time. I also did not establish the duration of the diary study. I know, I know. The client wanted it to be ongoing in perpetuity, and I didn't challenge that. In hindsight, it made sense to set an end date, as I do for any research project I've scoped and executed. Another mistake was that respondents were not sent reminders when it was time for them to submit a new entry. So some people submitted responses in a timely fashion, while others didn't. Length of entries was also inconsistent. Some people submitted responses that were several pages long, while others only submitted a paragraph worth of text. I didn't know what to think about it at that time, and I still don't. I believe in quality over quantity, but it makes for such a disjointed data collection and analysis process. Since there was no budget available, I could not use a diary study tool or software, which definitely would have made this process a lot easier. Quite a few of you have reached out to me privately to let me know that you enjoy the podcast. I appreciate you. It would be even better if you can give this podcast a five-star rating and a good review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the internet help other people find it. Also, if you are an aspiring or even a current UX researcher who needs help with your resume, professional branding, interview skills, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, and portfolio, consider applying for the Easy Research Coaching Program. I know how to not do a diary study, and I am excited about another opportunity to do it correctly. After botching my first diary study, I had some questions. Number one, Should I take a research failure as a sign that I'm not good at a method and leave it alone, or should I choose to improve and become good at it? Number two, as an independent researcher, how do I educate myself on methods I don't use frequently when I am asked to use them? 
Do I decline that contract? Number three, how much stretching is too much? Number four, how do I recover confidence and credibility after a poorly planned and executed research project? I had to take some time to understand what a failure meant in the context of this diary study attempt. I failed to prepare, scope, and align with the client, and that yielded a poor study. However, I was successful in that I attempted to experiment with the method I was excited about, but hadn't used yet at the time. I didn't let my lack of experience prevent me from trying, and that attitude is important as a researcher. Since I am still interested in diary studies and intend to execute them well in the future, I will try again. This reminds me of that time in my career in which I wanted to be a data scientist, but slowly accepted that I was not good at statistics or data science. (laughs) As a result, I slowly but graciously abandoned that career ambition. I wasn't good at the core skills and didn't care to invest the time or energy into developing those skills. In a situation like that, it is best to not try again. I don't feel the need to be good at everything, especially as it pertains to research methods, and I don't think any researcher should. I do not accept every opportunity to stretch my skills. Sometimes the comfort zone is okay. There is a lot of value in perfecting a few methods. As an independent researcher, I am still exploring how to enhance my skill set aside from taking on different contracts. I am an avid reader, so I am open to reading UX research books, but professional development as an independent researcher is something I'm still exploring. Lastly, how do I recover confidence and credibility after a poorly planned and executed research project? A key step for me is introspection and self-evaluation. I think about what I did wrong, and I think about how I could not do that in the future. Before I wrap up, I want to reiterate some best practices I learned about while running my first diary study. Number one, plan a diary study ahead of time, accounting for incentives, participant recruitment, deadlines, deliverables, research goals, and software use. Number two, determine how you will solicit the diary entries from respondents. Are you doing audio only, text only, a hybrid of both? Number three, establish a process for analyzing the entries because diary studies yield a lot of data. Number four, if you're new to executing diary studies, do some research about them. Number five, Once the diary study is live, send participants reminders to submit their entries. Number six, if you have a budget, invest in a designated diary study software like dscout, for example. Number seven, once the diary study is complete, reflect on what went well and what didn't. As researchers, we will inevitably mess up on a few research studies. It's not something that the industry tends to discuss frequently, but it's important for us to grant ourselves grace as we expand our skill sets and expertise. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to take the listener survey on yesyresearch.com. Give this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow Yizzy Research on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'll chat soon.